0: Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning into the Becker's Healthcare podcast series. I'm Brian Zimmerman, AVP, Client Content and Strategy with Becker's. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Sean Allum, Associate Vice President, Innovation Solutions Provider Business Unit at Innovalon, and Kem Tolliver, President, Medical Revenue Cycle Specialist. Kem Tolliver uh, is also a Certified Medical Practice Executive, Certified Medical Office Manager, Certified Professional Coder. She's an expert in accounts receivable collections, medical practice management, and risk management. She's also the co-author of Revenue Cycle Management, Don't Get Lost in the Financial Maze, and co-host of RevDive Podcast. Sean Allum, Inovalon's Associate Vice President, has been a leader with the organization since 2019. He has more than 20 years of experience in customer-centric product development, product commercialization, corporate development, sales, marketing, business development, data management, and analysis. Sean, Cam, thank you so much for for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So, Sean, I'm going to uh, put the first question to you. So, and it's really focused on reallocation and staffing time. It was recently reported, I believe, at McKinsey, that administrative spending makes up about $1 trillion of the annual healthcare spend in the U.S. How much of an opportunity is there for providers to reduce costs in this area? Yeah, that's a great question.
1: So. You know, what we have been hearing from our clients and our people who we've been having communication with in the marketplace is that, you know, there's a lot of complex administrative tasks that are requiring a lot of FTE hours to accomplish in order to make sure that, you know, from a revenue cycle management perspective and a patient experience perspective that the patient is eligible um, with their insurer and their payer and then, you know, that all the bits and pieces of that care plan and process are in place in order to provide great care to your patient population. And so what we've been finding is that a lot of times here in this challenging marketplace where we have, you know, the great resignation or the great reallocation of resources, challenges in the marketplace and finding qualified people in order to be able to take care of some of those complex administrative tasks that organizations have been looking at ways to simplify and to create standardized processes and procedures that they can do repeatedly and scalably into the marketplace. And so when we think about technology or automation as a tool, it is a great tool that allows what used to be a people-focused process something that the knowledge lie would remain with one person or one expert within your staff to transfer that to a technology platform and allow that expert to be the um, subject matter expert and manage the process rather than be the sole responsible party for that process. When we see that staffing shortages are impacting those overhead costs, you, know, you think about how long it takes to train somebody to get them up and running in a process. Or being able to transfer knowledge from one employee to another employee, technology does a really great job of being able to do that repeatedly and quickly and at scale. And so, what we see today is that a lot of people are starting to look at this and um, be able to manage a lot of their people-based
0: processes through a technology platform. Thank you so much, Sean. And I, I want to dig in on, the, on these processes, right, and and, and really establish what they are. So, Kim, turning to you now, could you walk us through what it typically looks like for a provider to really financially clear a new patient or even an existing patient whose coverage may have changed just to to give us a sense of that process?
2: Absolutely. And, you know, I think what's interesting here is that ASCs have a considerable amount of patient-facing activities to tend to, which may limit the resources that they have, you know, to manage other tasks like financial clearance. And this is where I think we have that opportunity to kind of use technology and automation to help with those processes. But in response to your question, you know, specifically about coverage changes, they're tricky because during the intake process, patients may not realize that a change has actually occurred. So the information that they're providing to us, it could be inaccurate. So a good rule of thumb is to kind of anticipate changes regardless of if the information is coming from the patient or if it's coming from the referring provider. So really just kind of be prepared to verify. And, you know, unfortunately, the typical financial clearance may include several disjointed manual processes. So if the information is changed and we're unaware of the change, it will impact our reimbursement ability. Now, we also want to keep in mind that, You know, the financial clearance, it really includes kind of getting information from patients, right? But our patients have a limited amount of healthcare financial literacy. And if the referring provider has gotten bad information from the patient, well, they're just kind of passing that bad information over to us, right? And then for our new patients, I think it's really all about getting as much information as possible to make sure that we kind of fulfill those internal care plans and getting ready to see that patient, and then also our internal revenue cycle management processes, as well as fulfilling, you know, our payers reimbursement guidelines. Now, with our established patients, I think it's important that we ask the right questions to get the right responses. You know, it's also about data validation, um, and that includes kind of confirming the information that that we're getting is accurate. So at this point, I think, you know, we really want to verify benefits. We want to verify insurance coverage. And if a patient has more than one plan, we also want to coordinate those benefits. And what's interesting all told here is that there's about 21 minutes can be saved per manual transaction. So that's about $83 billion in annual savings, you know, on automated eligibility and benefits checks. And those are the things that we can use to kind of help us alleviate any of those issues that will happen in our reimbursement when there's coverage changes.
0: Appreciate that so much, Kim. And, Sean, I want to pull you back in here to sort of integrate the technology that you were talking about at the top into this portion of the conversation. Where where does this tie in?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question, and our team, um, we're an innovation solutions team, so we're kind of a forward-looking team within our organization, and our goal is to have a lot of conversations with our clients and our prospective clients um, in the marketplace today. Just an idea, we make over 35,000 calls into the marketplace per year and somewhere on average of four to 6,000 in-depth conversations with our clients every year to start to dig at some of this information. And one of the things that we have found is really around that eligibility process. You know, a lot of times, different areas have different workflows around eligibility, so flexibility on how you run your registration and eligibility verification process is really important to those people. And what we also understand is that professionals working in that space, they have not been provided with digital tools and digital transformation tool sets that have allowed them to automate some of this activity. And so what we've been hearing in the market is that, they are reliant on referral information or um, patient information, which may or may not be correct, just think I could give my name as Sean Allum or Sean E. Allum or S. Everett Alum, right? And you know, each one of those names has an impact on what my eligibility response might be like coming back or I might transpose my social security number or my payer ID number or something like that, right? So again, having some automation to run those scans and checks save that time and those minutes per transaction. And what we find from um, a lot of people is that that transaction to check eligibility or discover eligibility may come from somebody with a clipboard with a list of payers and they literally go through one by one and by one until they find eligibility for a patient, right, which is really time consuming. And, not really as efficient as possible. And so, you know, if you think about things like making sure that you have things like good faith estimates for out-of-pocket expenses or, you know, the No Surprises Act that's, you know, impacting the industry today, that eligibility really is the cornerstone of some of those bigger regulatory challenges that providers are going to be facing here in the very near future or are facing today. And so if we
0: can help them solve those challenges with some technology, that's what we look for. Perfect. Thank you so much, Sean. You know, can you talk even more about how Innovalon then is really bringing innovation into their product development? Can you share a bit about that with our listeners? Sure. A lot of people think that innovation happens magically,
1: right? Like you have a day where all of a sudden you're walking down the street and you're struck with this really great idea. And then all of a sudden it becomes a product and it's solving challenges for a lot of people, but that's not really how it happens. And so what we do is we start with a four-stage innovation process that we've built within our organization. That starts with, you know, ideation around what might be challenges in the marketplace, these could come from scanning the environment, forward scanning, regulatory changes, or just listening from our um, customer success team or some other of our client-facing members of our organization. And then from there, we kind of come up with, like, what are the major challenges that we're hearing in the marketplace? And so in that stage, we do um, that ideation space, then we start to create some hypotheses and assumptions around some of those challenges. And then we go out and we start to validate those, right? So that would be our stage one of our innovation process. From there, we typically come out with an idea for a product, and we do um, stage two, which would be sort of like our market and product planning, where we really work with our customers to define their challenges, what would be the ideal solution for some of those challenges, and then how does that really start to meet the needs of individual clients. We start there um, by bringing in what we would call early advisors, people who would come in and work with our team to help define what their ideal solution to that challenge in the market would be. And then what we do from there is as we start to build out the initial scope of a product, and start to build it within our engineering teams, we then bring those people in as what we would call early advisors or early adopters of that product, and they really become our development partners. And we deliver fully functional market-ready software to them, and then they test it in the marketplace and then give us their feedback, and we go through rapid iterative cycles with them to be able to develop that. And then once we have something that we think meets the needs of a large-scale organization, um, we start to share that with other people in in the market. And that moves us into what we would call our stage three of our innovation process or our soft launch pre-sales period. And we start to expand that out into the market. And finally, we would move into a fully commercialized product that we would bring to the market um, in a market release.
0: Excellent. Thank you for walking us through that, Sean. And and, and Kim, I'm wondering if you could Ground this portion of the conversation a specific example of, of maybe one of those partnerships that Sean has talked about.
2: Sure. You know, I'll, I'll actually give an example of, I, I guess, my experience with kind of using technology to kind of optimize, you know, the time and efforts that my team spends doing revenue cycle management and other activities related to it. I, I really think it's about customizing. Technologies to meet the requirements of your workforce, of your providers, and of your patients, right? And a lot of that boils down to mapping your internal workflows to the technology that's available to you so that you can kind of identify those opportunities to kind of leverage workflow automation. I, I think, you know, what Innovolon is doing is they're hearing their clients, and that's something that's very important. In healthcare, because using out-of-the-box technology doesn't always work for everyone. So it's really about having that flexibility to make sure that your technology works for your unique organization's needs, right? Those of us who have, you know, our workforce who's remote, there's going to be specific needs there. Those of us who have a certain savvy patient population who want touchless payments, they're going to have unique needs. And then our providers, they have unique documentation needs, workflow needs. So really making sure that we get that provider buy-in, get the workforce buy-in. I remember when I was a practice manager many years ago, I worked with my first EMR, gosh, maybe about 20 years or so. And they actually gave me the autonomy to make recommendations to customize our table space. And let me tell you, that was a game changer because – not only did my physicians and staff see the benefit of the technology and actually started to really get that buy-in, but the organization, the vendor, they received some valuable customer feedback, and they were able to kind of pivot and make some adjustments to their technology that was a win-win for everyone. So I think it's important that organizations, Um, They partner with their technology vendors so that they can kind of work together to streamline workflows to make sure that patient care is being optimized and really at the end of the day to kind of improve revenue velocity.
0: Thank you so much, Cam, for for really sharing your your specific experience there. I think it's helpful for, for listeners to hear that as well. Sean, Kim, it really has been a pleasure speaking with you. Time has flown by. Do either of you have any closing thoughts you just want to leave with listeners before we sign off? I think the key takeaway for me is
1: that when we think about new products and technology to help solve some of these industry-wide challenges, the number one key is to start with the end user and the challenges that they're facing in the marketplace. I'm just going to kind of give a high-level example of how like our innovation process played out. We had talked to over a 1,000 different people around like challenges in that early stage eligibility process and what we had learned was that a majority of them were seeing claims denials coming back because of eligibility challenges. And then when we dug in a little bit deeper, they were telling us that almost a range of about 65% of those eligibility denials were not being resubmitted, so which was creating a large gap in uncompensated care for those provider organizations. The challenge here is is how do we reactivate that lost revenue to be able to drive that process forward for those provider organizations in order to work better together, in order to number one, help recognize that revenue, which would then allow those people to also save time in the process and reallocate that time towards better patient care, which I think is the goal of everybody in the industry.
0: Absolutely, thank you so much, Sean. Kim, uh, any any final thoughts from you?
2: Yeah, I, I think it's also about communicating with your workforce and with your providers to understand their internal the obstacles that they are experiencing so that as you're leveraging technology, that you're not adding additional obstacles, but you're you know really, Um, using that technology to make their lives easier, you know, all a part of that quadruple aim, right, that that workforce experience. And I really think that we can leverage technology to make our lives easier to try to remove some of these disjointed manual processes. I'll just leave with this. I think it's super helpful for us to really map our internal workflows to the technology and identify areas that are going to be Um, available to us to improve our workflows and to kind of streamline revenue cycle processes that really kind of um, the outcome there is is better patient care.
0: Yep, and and that's what it's all about. Sean and Kim, thank you so much for taking the time. I I also want to thank Anova Lawn for sponsoring this episode. You can tune into more podcasts from Becker's Healthcare by visiting our podcast page.